What's up, hardcore humans? This is Dr. Mike with another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Very excited to be talking today with Reba Myers of Code Orange out of Pittsburgh. They are a great band doing some exciting things, blending metal, hardcore, industrial, and other genres to form their own unique sound. But one of the things that's consistent in their music is the raw, intense expression of emotion, particularly anger. And so we are going to talk today about how connecting with and expressing anger can actually be a healthy part of someone's personal and creative life. So let's take a moment to remember what we're doing here on the Hardcore Humanism podcast. We feel that our lives are better if we question conventional norms, find our purpose, and work hard to achieve it. So whether we are trying to survive difficult situations like mental illness, stress, or trauma, or we're looking to thrive in our relationships, our creativity, or our health, we are better served living a purpose-driven life. Our purpose is what anchors us, what guides us, and drives us. And one of the best ways that we can continuously think about a purpose-driven life is to talk with people who have found their purpose and have worked hard to achieve great things. And each person we speak with may have a slightly different take on how they live a purpose-driven life. Our hope is that each conversation will help you think about your life in a slightly different way. So our conversation with Reba is going to explore the concept of intensity and particularly anger. There is a lot of societal pressure to be moderate. You could be angry, but not too angry. Intense, but not too intense. Sad, but not too sad. Somehow the middle is seen as healthier, more balanced. And that can be devastating because it immediately negates what we feel and what we can do. The only unique thing that we have to offer the world is us, our authentic self. And if we lose touch with the most extreme parts of our experience, we suppress ourselves and we can feel lost. At Hardcore Humanism, we think a better approach is to understand how our intensity fits into a broader sense of purpose and evaluate our experience and behavior from that perspective. Specifically, our intensity is helpful if it furthers our purpose. On the other hand, it's a hindrance if it interferes with our purpose. So let's listen to what Reba has to say. Okay, we are here on the Hardcore Humanism podcast with Reba Myers of Code Orange, and we are thrilled to have her here today. We're going to talk about how certain types of sounds, particularly evil sounds, can be soothing, paradoxically. The idea for a lot of people is that, well, if it sounds nice, it's nice. It's about nice things. And if it sounds angry or harsh, it can actually mean that it's quote unquote evil. But for a lot of people, and I think myself included, I've always found that in many cases, the more intense, the harsher the music, in a lot of ways, the kinder the content, the more soothing it is, at least to my soul, I'll definitely say. So we are thrilled to have her here to talk about this concept. And Rebo, welcome to the Hardcore Humanism podcast. Thank you. Maybe one of the things that we can start with is when was the first time that you can recall that you heard what you would consider to be a quote-unquote evil sound or an intense sound? Well, firstly, yeah, I think intense is actually a better way to put it. But yeah, just growing up, especially I think when, when I first started playing in the band, I met Jamie and we started getting into punk music together. And as you know, punk music, it's often recorded like complete crap. So I think everything just sounds really intense and aggressive and, and raw, just naturally because of the low quality almost. And I think... Part of it was a connection that I had with that because it was so different and a normal person who listened to that wouldn't even understand it because it just sounds so bad to them. And they, and that's all, that's as far as they go. You know, it's like, this sounds like shit, not listening to that. And that's almost what connected me to it. It's like, oh, there's something more here. There's an energy to it. And I started going to shows in like tiny little venues and everything was just so loud and raw and unpracticed almost, but it was just like a straight, form of energy. And I loved that. And I was addicted to that. It was kind of just gave us a purpose and gave me a purpose when I was growing up. And it's just something to connect to. And I think kids are angry, you know, and I was growing up, I was angry, and I had a lot of anger. And it was cool to find that in, in music and gave me something to do as opposed to something negative. It was a positive thing. It's like a lot of times people think punk music or metal music is just a way to be angry. It's like, it's the opposite. It's, it's a way to be proactively angry. Admit to yourself that you are angry. And even as a kid, not, not realizing that, it was that for sure, looking back. So, Now, for a lot of people, when they 
discover that they do things differently than other people, they recoil from that. What they'll do is they'll immediately say, oh, I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. What made you pivot towards that very thing that you knew was different from everybody else around you? I think just a desire to rebel maybe was part of it. And I still ask myself why, like why in the beginning was I so eager to be different or so eager to like what other people didn't like, but it's really hard to say. I think it's just like looking around me, it felt kind of like everyone just liked what they were told and did what they were told. And it was just kind of a desire to do the opposite, but also, you know, be genuine. And I think a lot of it was like, I would see these emotions in everyone, but it felt like they were almost covering it up and just trying to be accepted. And for me, it's like, I still wanted to be accepted. And I was because I had my friends who were into the same music, but it was our own little world. It was kind of an escape and especially started changing when we, when I started playing music in that world, because I grew up playing music, but in, you know, in a lot more traditional classical sense. And when I finally got to start playing in that, punk microcosm of the world. It was like, it was, it was life-changing. So I love the concept of proactive anger. I feel like that's such an interesting distinction between anger that is, again, reacting to whatever's happening. So you're not necessarily in control as opposed to proactive anger where you're putting it somewhere. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, have you noticed a difference when you do one versus the other? Like when you're kind of on your heels and reacting to someone else versus I'm going to go out and do something very directly with this. Totally. I mean, it's completely different. You know, if you're just angry in a moment, you become blind. I feel that a lot of the time, but I know it would be so much worse if I didn't have this. And yeah, it's like if someone says something to make you angry, right? You go into this tunnel vision, especially if you, you know, have a history of it or if it's in your genes or whatever reason, you know, you become blind and you just say things and it's almost impossible to even remember what you just did. But whenever I play a show, it's like, it's just such an intentional thing. And it's a specific moment where I know it's okay to be as angry as I want. And that's like the point of it. It's like, it'll be more real, especially if I'm able to channel that. And if I'm able to link into that and I still have shows where it's like, I'm not angry and I, or maybe I feel apathetic and it's a lot harder. But then once I get going, it's almost kind of like my just natural self kicks in because I've been doing it for so long and it just like goes directly to that place. And it's interesting too, because people ask me like, oh, after a show, like, are you, do you feel like so relieved and happy? It's like, no, I actually feel more pissed off most of the time because it's kind of like, it gets me there. It really does. And then afterwards, I really have to take a breath and be like, okay, back to reality. You know, right afterwards, I'm usually in a horrible mood (laughs) because it just took me to that place in my mind where it's like all that lives. One of the things that I have always found, whether it's as just a person walking around in the world or as a professional working with people, is when people say, smile, or they say like, you know, get in a good mood. And what you're saying about that being able to go to the depths of the anger and having that be okay, can you talk a little bit about what the effects are of not doing it that way, of that suppression, where it's like, hey, you're not allowed to get too angry. You're not allowed to go that far. Yeah, I mean, I've been told that my whole life. And I think if I didn't have this place where I can, I would be just a shell. When people tell you that, it's all they get in response. It's not realness. It's just a wall. And then you build a wall super high. And it starts when you're young. And if you start when you're young and you continue to build that wall and you never break it down to anyone, no one's going to see you as who you really are. And it's sad, honestly, because I think there's probably a lot of people out there who have something to say, but they were never encouraged to crack into that, especially when it comes to art. It's like you can make art on a basic level. It could still be good if you have talent and you have ideas, but what makes a truly great artist is someone who has that wall can break down that wall. And a lot of times it's like, they don't break down that wall for anyone except for their art. And it's really interesting to see that sometimes, like, I know I can do that. And I know my friends do that. Luckily we have that wall broken down with each other. It's still a work in progress, obviously as everything is, but yeah, I mean, it's super important to be able to do that somewhere and having art, be a, a safe place to do that and be a place where you can learn more about yourself. And it's, it's definitely an important aspect of just becoming a 
more humane person. Yeah, it's interesting because when I'm in a certain place and someone is like, oh, come on, get happy or let's have fun. I don't see it as reaching out their hand. I feel like you're punching me in the face because what it's first and foremost saying is I don't accept you in that spot, which means to me, I don't accept you in what you're, I don't think it's my worst zone. You know, I don't think it's my worst zone to be angry. I think that's a lot of good things have come from me being angry, but you're telling me that you don't think that that's okay. I immediately recoil to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to hold your friends accountable and like, you know, and yeah, if you have blind rage, it's like you do need to work on that. <laughs> but it's another thing to understand them and to try to help them and as opposed to just saying, you shouldn't feel this. It's like, you have to admit that you feel that way to yourself and know why and dig deeper. And that's always way harder to do than just to tell someone, stop being angry. You know, that's never going to help. One of the things that people will talk about is you can say, hey, this is okay. It's, it's okay to be angry. I appreciate you and I feel your anger. It's another thing to embody it in the way that a scene can. And you've talked before about the Pittsburgh hardcore scene. And mm -hmm. you know, for, for the people who aren't familiar with it, I just want to give you a chance to talk about that and, and how this issue played out when you discovered it. So I was really young and probably like, it was about like ninth grade or whatever, 13, something like that, when I started playing shows and in Pittsburgh and I didn't know what I was doing. None of us did, but I had my friends and we just were so enamored with it all. And just, it was just so exciting and intimidating. And it's like a whole world of just like, I don't know, intensity. But so we started going to shows and everyone just was supporting us because they could tell that we cared and they could tell that we were doing it from a place of like somewhere genuine. And that can be really hard to find, especially again in kids, because a lot of times they're kind of told like, don't be yourself, not that directly, but in a way they are. And we somehow were able to surpass that probably because we all felt similarly and we were able to have that kind of collaborativeness that empowered us and people saw that and even though we had pretty low skill level at the time we, we received a lot of support from the Pittsburgh hardcore scene and a lot of people showed us a path and showed us old music and old bands and, and inspirations and all this stuff and it just kind of like led us further down that rabbit hole and and yeah we were just able to learn how to continue to express ourselves and become better at our craft whilst also still just digging deeper is what I call it. And as we came out with more albums and we were given opportunities to really like push ourselves, we had to push ourselves in that way too, because, you know, you, you can tell when a band stops becoming true to themselves and it happens a lot. And that's been our entire purpose as a band is like being true to ourselves. And it's really easy to just kind of hear music and copy it or, or want to do this or want to sound like this. It's like, it's, it's a different thing though. You know, we, I think we were able to tap into really young, just kind of a uniqueness and our uniqueness. Once we kind of realized that that was the true goal, we were able to focus in on that as opposed to just like sounding better, being more perfect or this or that. That's when I really started falling in love with like guitar and the sounds it makes and realizing that it wasn't just a tool. It was really like, more than that. I don't even have a word for it, but yeah. Well, it seems like it's coming back to that word you're using. I don't know if you said humanity or humaneness, but it does seem like in some ways what you're describing is like when the instrument is connecting to you more as a vehicle for that and the band becomes a vehicle and the scene becomes a vehicle yeah. for that. And now all of a sudden you're aligned in a way that's so much different than what you were describing before, where it's like, I'm just out of alignment. I'm around people who don't get me. I'm not yeah. doing what I love to do. It's yeah. not that proactive anger. Yeah, totally. It's like a connection of being able to feel something and also, and then being able to get it out through your instrument. And it's a really hard thing to accomplish. And as a kid, you're, it's almost like you're just, it just happens. You don't even think about it. And as an adult, you kind of have to be more aware because you start thinking about everything way too much and overthinking. And it makes it really hard sometimes to just go make a direct pathway from like what you feel to what comes out on your instrument. But if you have the technical skill and you have, and you're able to kind of let go, I find that those are the moments where you get the best performances and the most 
cathartic performances. It's tough, but it's like you have an idea in your mind and it's like in that second, you have to make it come out on your instrument. Because if you think about it and then do it, it's different. It's like, sometimes like I'll have 10 takes of, of a song or of a riff or something. It's like the best ones are often just on the fly. If that connection happened to be uh, direct and flowing, that's usually when the, what the best takes are. Something about just the rawness of it mixed with skill, but it's very tricky. <laughs> you use a couple of different concepts here, which I think are important to juxtapose, which is, you know, talking about this idea of purpose or that proactive, we say proactive anger or proactive aggression. Either or, I mean, both. Both. Okay. We use them interchangeably. So there's that proactive purpose driven concept. And then there's that, that more ground up, like from the gut off the cuff. And I think that a lot of people struggle with how to balance those two things when they kind of think to themselves, well, this is what I want to accomplish, but what do you do when you have those goals? And yet at the same time, a lot of what you're describing is the best stuff comes from just maybe messing around a little bit. It's totally a balance and it's a struggle. And like, I think even with our newest album was first when we were really fighting that struggle to its climax point it's like you have all these ideas and you have all these goals and you want it to be this and that and fall in in this box and fit in this puzzle and but at the same time if you get totally focused on that only then you'll kind of forget why you're there in the first place but you have to balance those two things so it's like you have to have these constructs but then you also have to have that rawness and the realness and the accidental stuff too you know and that's why I'm so proud of our album because I really feel like we were able to accomplish that. And I never thought about it as deeply before, but during this writing process, I, it really became a struggle. It's like, we found a way somehow to just, yeah, capture those accidental moments and those raw moments, but also have it still fit into a structure that makes sense and that you can explain to people because if people don't understand it, it's not as satisfying and that's just how it goes. But for me, we were able to conquer that. And that was really gratifying. It is, it is really tricky though. One of the things that a lot of people assume is that once you get into a band and some of the, even the stuff that we're talking about now, it's like, okay, then moving forward, you're always able to express yourself and you have a vehicle and it's proactive anger and it's proactive aggression. Yeah. Have there been times in the course of this process where, whether it was from the outside or from more within where you have struggled with that freedom? Whether it was, was someone else saying like, oh, you know, you should do X, you should do Y, or you even maybe guys saying to yourselves, oh, we should do something like this. And all of a sudden you find yourself in that same constraining system that you were rebelling against in theory. Yes, totally. And that happens to me all the time and it causes me a lot of pain. But uh, you can't just close the doors though to those opinions because, and I've learned that, it's like, it's the same way as, you know, becoming a better person. It's like, if your friends tell you you're being too angry or you're being too this or that. It's like, you can shut them off if you want, but it, but they're probably right in a sense. They might not be right in the way that you'll need to work on that, but they're probably right in their observation. And it's very similar with music. It's like, yeah, we have all these buzzing ears now and buzzing voices of opinions and thoughts on you should do this and it should sound like this, or this isn't good enough, or this is, this is great. And this sucks. It's like, sometimes you just want to close the doors but in reality, the better path to take is to listen to that and kind of put it through your own lens without letting it control you, but letting it influence you while staying true to yourself. It's a balance. Yeah. And, and has that ever happened? I mean, at the beginning, in theory, you guys were code orange and now you're code orange in bold letters. Now code orange is a construct. It's a brand. And I don't mean a brand in a business sense. I just mean like you guys have created something. There's been a, a growth and a consistency. We'll, we'll yeah. get back to the growth part. But do you ever start to feel that it's not always those outside voices, but you're starting to think of like, well, is this really code orange? Like, you know, is this the code orange we want to be? Where it's, it's a weird thing because it's like this great thing that has been the vehicle. Again, as it gets bigger, it runs that risk of, yeah. of being one of those things that is oppressive. Yeah, it kind of moves on its own sometimes. And I mean, what I find though is that being in a group setting makes it a lot easier to kind of get over that because I'll feel that way someday and I'll feel not good enough or I'll feel this, this isn't right. And 
but I trust my bandmates and they trust me. And that is a really important factor because if they say this is good, believe it. Like it's, do you need to take a step back? I'll listen to that. And it's the same vice versa. It's like, if they're so focused in on some idea and like need it to be perfect, I can be that outside voice for a moment and say, Hey, this is perfect as it is. We don't need to change it. It has an energy to it. And that goes back and forth and we kind of check each other's balances, you know, and it just makes it easier to, yeah, to overcome that because it is oftentimes just the voice inside your head that tells you like, this isn't good enough or, or this isn't right or whatever, but it probably is. Or if it isn't, then you also have to realize that and you have to change it. And we've done that a million times too. It's like, we'll write an entire song and think it's great. And then you'll listen to it and you just have a feeling like this doesn't feel quite genuine for some reason. It's hard to pinpoint why, because it's music, it's not black and white, but I think we've learned to be able to criticize ourselves in that kind of a way. Definitely takes time. Yeah. And and when you're, again, getting back to that proactive anger concept, how have you felt that that has expressed itself in the context of through the different albums, you know, maybe starting with the first time and then like what you guys are doing now. And do you see a difference in how that's being proactively expressed? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, first album was under our old name code orange kids and it was just so raw and so just like stream of consciousness. And it was proactive in that way of just like getting it all out there. This is who we are you know, we're young, we're angry, we're sad, you know, whatever. It's just, it was just all put on the table, a lot less calculated, but it was there. And it was proactive just in the sense of raw expression, you know, as kids. And that was a really important step. The next album was, we started really thinking about who we were and started realizing who we were. And we were more angry because we were starting to face the challenges of the industry and face the challenges of the world of just growing up and leaving adolescence and, it was more of like a looking back because albums aren't, aren't always, you write this over a period of time and then you put it out in the world and it kind of represents who you just were. So it's like, we went through this long path of touring and, and just being like poked at and prodded. And we put that second album out, like, this is who we are. I am King. Like don't live in fear and be yourself. Basically it was kind of like our confidence album. And then we went through another whole series of changes and we, faced all of this period of just almost wanting revenge on people who who wronged us and we put out an album that was kind of a revenge album you know and it was a really raw album and that's when we started being more calculated and that's when it started to get really hard because we felt this emotion even stronger as like people do when they grow up and it became much more of a challenge to get that out but find a way and this one it was kind of like the biggest deep dive it was like kind of a culmination of all those three. The first one, just that stream of consciousness, rawness. Second one, that confidence. The third one, that revenge and resentment and anger. And this one was kind of like, okay, we admit we have all these sides and this is the representation of that. So, And do you feel comfortable talking about the, I wasn't aware of the revenge, resentment angle for the third album. What Was that directed towards someone in particular? Was that more of a general... It's, it's a lot of things. I mean, you know, I, I don't write the lyrics, so I'm not going to go into specifics, but as a band, we all talk about this stuff and talk about the themes and we all feel very like-minded. And I think that's why it works. But yeah, I mean, some specific people, some specific specifics within the industry and how we're treated in it. And then just some personal things where you look at yourself and you look at why you're resentful. And that's kind of what came into the next album. But looking at that, be like, I feel so resentful and angry towards these people. Like why do I feel that way? And is it right? And is it justified? Yeah, and then let's talk about the, the new album and what feels like you said, kind of more complete about it or more of a deep dive than the previous ones. Well, I think we've just experienced a lot at this point and found out more about who we are starting to ask those questions where it's like proactive anger. As I was saying, it's like, you can be proactive with it by just letting it out. And that's one side, but then you also to be able to actually grow and improve yourself, you have to look at why, why you feel this way and what you can do about it and how to improve yourself. And I think this album was really a chance for us to dig into how we feel in that regard and get it out there in a musical sense and in the art and everything like that. 
you know, just because you guys are a certain age doesn't mean that you have to, in theory, speak for your generation. When we were younger, we always said to the people who are older, like, you guys aren't listening, you guys aren't listening. And a lot of hardcore and metal and hip hop and punk came out of that dynamic. And, you know, there is a risk for people who are older, like myself, you know, I have a married a job, I have kids that, you know, I may not be as attuned to what's happening right now. So I may not be listening. And so mm -hmm. I guess I know that you can't necessarily speak for everyone, but if you were trying to make some generalizations, which is not cool, but what do you feel like people need to hear from your generation that maybe they're not picking up 100%? There could be a million points in different perspectives and I might disagree with myself later, but you know, when I really think about it just off the top of my head, it's like growing up in this age group, I feel like we received kind of a lot of negative thoughts and negative reinforcement and growing up in school and stuff like being so pressured to do great. And that always gets worse and worse as you get, you know, as the generations go by, it's like the amount of pressure that lives on your shoulders. It's like, you have to be this good to be able to succeed in the world. And I think as we were growing up, we all felt that way that we were receiving this kind of negative pressure from students, other students, teachers, adults, parents. And I think that that age range of people now, now that we're older are starting to say, fuck that. Like, we're just going to do whatever we want. And that's, I think, too, why you're seeing like all these now artists that are people. It's like you were told to go to college. You were told to do this and be a certain way and succeed in this kind of way. And that was what was right for a really long time. And that was what said, okay, you succeeded. You made it. It's like now we're starting to say, fuck that. We can just do this on our own. We don't need all of you to tell us how, what success means. To me, success is just being myself and being able to put that out there and working hard in my own right. I don't need to be leashed along by someone else showing me the way. It's like, we figured out how to do it ourselves. And with all the negativity that comes with the internet and stuff, like I think that that actually kind of pushed our generation forward because it, it gave us a power that we were able to learn and grow with each other directly, as opposed to having to have a mentor teach us the way. Not that that's wrong, but it's just our generation's struggle maybe. But it gets back to that whole, like, if I'm not in a good place, that being, oh, come on, you know, like, uh, be happy, be nice, whatever. It's, it's not so much that it's wrong to offer it, but it is wrong mm -hmm. to declare it to persist with it. It's interesting the, what you're describing with the DIY because, you know, when I was growing up, the world wasn't as decentralized as it is now. And that's one of the things that's been so amazing about hardcore and metal and hip hop is that these artists just went like troubadours throughout these different places so that it wasn't just like, oh, you're from Pittsburgh. So like, when are, are you going to move to Chicago? Or are you going to move to New York? Like, it's like, no, like Pittsburgh can be yeah. a place. And we actually want you to be a place because it's better for us. We actually appreciate this. And it, it sounds like that, for lack of a better saying it, that message somehow filtered. It's like, yeah, it's like DIY across the board. Especially too with the internet, it's like you're able to get yourself out there and that's the positives of it. It's just that that also comes with a lot of negativities. And I think, oh yeah, a lot of these a lot of the older generation asks the question, why, why are, do you feel this way? Why are you, why are you this way? And they kind of just see it as, as oh, they are just like stupid kids, you know, but you have to realize we grew up with this, our whole lives, this new world. It's like, it's just a different, I don't know. I, I, I'd have, you'd have to ask me in 10 years, like why, <laughs> what it all means. But right now I think you're especially seeing it kind of come to a new version of itself it's really snowballing so well one of the things that that's been expressed to me before is that it wasn't only that hey you got to work hard and do this whatever but yeah. it was that that american dream that was promised actually we didn't deliver on it so in other words like i think my parents generation and my generation to a certain extent were told oh work hard and whatever and and for the most part, not with everyone, but there was at least some evidence of that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things with racism, sexism, classism, where that was not happening, but at least it was happening sometimes. And, and now it feels like, yes, it's happening, but I get the sense that far fewer people see that as any kind of a reality. So it's not just like, 
why are you telling us to live a certain way? It's like, but you're not even going to hold up your end of the bargain. Yeah. If it I almost do. feels like a game of chance. It's like, you know, I could put all this effort into this, but still no one will even understand it and no one will care. So why, why even bother? That's why it's like, you do really have to find that empowerment within yourself because you can't expect other people to accept that. You know, you can work as hard as you can be a straight A student growing up and a kid and still not succeed, quote unquote, to someone else's standards. It's like, it's never good enough. So now I think that's starting to become flipped on its head and people are just being told, you know what, be yourself and find your, what you're passionate about. And you can really learn it all on your own at this point. So just explore that and be free. And I think that'll create a lot push humanity forward a little bit as opposed to having such a construct on everyone and telling everyone how they need to be and yeah what success is needs to be reimagined well you know it's interesting that you say that because when i spoke with Stephen blush i don't know if you ever read the book american hardcore um, or seen the movie that was that was for me one of my you know i I have like a sort of (laughs) staple point yeah i just like just like you're right the mount rushmore of my books that's that's one of the phases And one of the things that he said, interestingly, was that the biggest thing that hardcore did, I don't know if it was the biggest thing, but it was one of the biggest contributions that hardcore made, was suggesting that success could be defined in non-economic terms. The idea that if you even go back to like D. Boone and the Minutemen or, Mm -hmm. you know, Steve Albini talks about this a lot, which is that, listen, we never thought that we would do this as a career. We always thought we would have day jobs, but that didn't matter. In fact, in some ways, it was actually freeing for us to be able to have our art, to have our community and not have it be corrupted in any way. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, how that all sits with you and with you guys in the band. I mean, yeah, that's just another element. It's like, honestly, part of it is like, at this point I've learned that I'm never going to make, I mean, maybe, but I'm never going to make any kind of like, widely accepted living off of this like what I'm able to live off of it somehow but it's hardly anything so it's like I kind of don't even have that expectation in my brain anymore and I still have to do work in that sense but it's like yeah it's just in my mind that's not why I'm here it's not why I'm doing it I know that because it's been that way for a really long time and I'm fortunate that it's it's you know I can just do this and I can put more time into this because it's being able to spend an entire day on the band will always push you forward faster you know, then if you have to have a day job and then go to it later, you know, so I'm fortunate that I can do that. But I think all of us have mostly accepted that. Yeah, it's not like, it's not going to be some successful thing. And yeah, in, in other people's eyes, maybe in like a monetary way. But I think that that's, yeah, that that's a positive thing. Because once it becomes a job, it's like, it totally changes, totally changes how you think about it and what you do. Yeah. And so, you know, I I work with a lot of younger people who are going into some art form, whether it's acting or comedy or music or, you know, painting, whatever it is. And one of the big debates that I have, I'm kind of curious your perspective on it is, and this gets into the proactive concept, is would you recommend to someone like, hey, right from the beginning, get a day job that can kind of work for you in perpetuity. Like it can have flexibility. It's like, maybe it's a trade, maybe it's something like that and always have that. Or would you say, Hey, listen, go for it, go for your music. And for lack of a better saying, you'll kind of figure out later on, like if, and when you need to get some kind of second job. Yeah. You know, that's tricky because like, obviously you might just not be good and like, you might just not have success at all. And you, but, but you'll realize that. And yeah, I think it is kind of an old way of thinking to say you have your day job and then you have your hobby, which is, can be music. It's like music is so much more than that. It's just a joke whenever people don't realize that it pisses me off. But yeah, like, again, you have every tool at your disposal to learn as long as you are able to find that motivation within yourself and find like-minded people, which is really important, then you can take it as far as you want to take it. Yeah. If you're the type of person who wants to have a really nice house, wife, kids, what all this shit, it's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't like expect that out of this and maybe you do need to go a different way. But if you just love this and you can realize that you should definitely just explore it to its fullest and yeah, not try to spend most of your day doing something else and then spend 15 minutes doing what you love. It's like, that's not what, it's not what's going to make you happy at all. So I would say just put both feet in 
Yeah. And, you know, on the idea of you're just talking about like over a, a lifespan, one of the things that when we're talking about this proactive anger, I mean, I think what we're really talking about is proactive emotion of any kind. You know, it's kind yeah. of like understanding where you're at and putting it into action. And one of the things that sometimes people will kind of wonder about is, you know, I mean, again, like you guys are, I guess, I, I don't know, I don't know how this would be measured objectively, but objectively more successful now than you were when you were first starting. You know, you've got, yeah. you've got all these things happening that are, that are wonderful. You've got all these albums. At a point, sometimes people wonder, it's like, well, how am I going to feel later on? What if I'm not angry? Like, what if my proactive emotion is sadness? What if my proactive emotion is actually I'm happier with my life? And do you ever kind of think to yourself like, or even care, it's like, look, I'm just going to go with wherever I'm at. Or do you kind of wonder, well, maybe if I'm not upset, I'm going to look at something from a societal perspective, you know, that kind of mentality. Yeah, it, it definitely helps to look from a different perspective sometimes. And I don't think we're at that point yet where we're like at peace by any means. So it's going to be a while. It's like kind of like, yeah, I'll think about it, but it's so far away. Like we're just all such intense people that it's like, it's a long path. Yeah, I mean, definitely when you have those days where it's like you, you're writing and you need inspiration and you're not feeling connecting, you're not feeling connected with the music or if you're in the middle of a song and it's like you were in one place when you started it and now you're in a different place when you're working on it. It's like looking at things from a societal perspective can definitely help. And that's honestly way harder for me personally to do because it's just like I'm always so self-focused that it's like looking out at the world, it's like I have to put a different hat on. But it does help in being able to get the complete picture of everything. You know, we've talked now about that idea of proactive anger, proactive aggression. And we've talked about it from a, from a variety of perspectives. But one way that we haven't talked about it is in the actual practical use of the difference between guitars and vocals. And that's something that a lot of people might be curious about is to what's your process in terms of how you express yourself vocally and how you express yourself in terms of your guitar like you know do you practice differently do you get into a different mindset i'm always when i'm practicing and whatnot there's always kind of a two separate things you have to work on your you know you work on your technique and all of your mathematical music skills and then you also have to find a way to sing from the heart and play guitar from the heart and those are two things that when they join together it's like that becomes completely unstoppable as I was kind of talking about in this guitar article that I was, you know, talking about like sinister sounds and being addictive. And it's like, there's just something about playing and with your hands and something about the voice because it's just coming straight from your body. It's like, it's just so raw. And if you're able to tap into that, it's like one of the best ways to get that out proactive aggression. It's like, you can use all your structure that you want and all the structure that we're talking about. It's like, you have all these artistic goals and this creative goals and you can, direct that towards technical ability. But then you can also have just pure emotion come out in this instrument in the voice and in guitar and whatever you feel connected to. Once those things can join, it becomes just this force and it's very empowering. And I think that empowerment is something that, yeah, can get you through all of that and can teach you about yourself. Now, this concept of empowerment, I think is, is important. Again, it fits with that, the, the proactive anger. So I know this, this is a little bit of a tough question, but not everybody is going to be Reba Myers. Not everybody is going to be Code Orange. You know, there's a lot of kids out there who are sitting there with all that stuff and they're thinking to themselves, well, I can get into my scene and I can really get into it, but I kind of wish I, I could do it myself. But like you said, like, you know, maybe it's not as good or it doesn't go as far. And I'm kind of curious just from your perspective, like how you would I mean, maybe it's just in your own life, like how you've applied these principles, even when you're not playing guitar or singing, you know, and yeah. so that other people can kind of pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it can, you have to find your place. Yeah, there's a big difference between being angry and being empowered. It's like empowerment doesn't exist without anger, I don't think, or without some sort of sense of like, this is about me, you know, I need to show the world who I am. And that's where it comes from. So if you don't find that in one place, you just have to look somewhere else and it takes time. And I still feel sometimes that maybe, or I'll have a day where I don't feel 
empowered by the scene. I don't feel like this is where I belong, but then I'll have another day that I do. And it's just like, that's why, you know, too, with music, it's like, you can, you have to kind of think of it in a broader sense. You know, it's not just about a song you write. It's like in this world now you have so much you can do the art to the music, the performance, the aesthetic, take advantage of all of those aspects that are available, try to find where your place is. And I, I think if you really care about music and care about that world, then you'll be able to find that place. It just takes, takes some time. And I was lucky, you know, growing up, I found that really quickly and I feel still that it's where I belong. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times kids will try the wrong thing and you kind of have to take that, make that choice and really ask yourself like, you know, is this what makes me happy or empowered or feel a sense of purpose. I really try to encourage people in that regard. You know, it's like, look, especially now, but even back then, you know, just, just downloading a song by one of your favorite artists or paying for it on iTunes, you know, just listening in on a station that plays hardcore or metal or punk or whatever it is, just showing up at shows, any of that, just wearing it, just buying a t-shirt and wearing it yeah. all the way up to having your own fanzine, doing your own podcast or radio show, doing the art for a band, like actually being in a band. And I think it is really important for people to kind of recognize, like, look, there is a place for you in any of these scenes, especially, I think, in hardcore. Don't feel like just because you're not, I actually, you know, I was going to say it at, at the top of the food chain, because it's, I think hardcore, more than anything, is like there is no food chain. It's much more everybody kind of there together. It changes every second. And like, even if you are at the top of that food chain, you're at the top for about a year. And that's what makes it great. It's completely angering, but it's like, you know, you work to get there, you get there and then you're not that anymore because they, it's a cycle and it turns around and around. So you're going to have a million chances, you know? And yeah, that whole process of, of people, you know, being expected to have some, be in a band or be an important role. It's like, you can have purpose by just being a fan of it and by showing up. You're totally right about that. And I do wish that that message was spread a bit more because I think, especially like with women in the scene, there's a lot of pressure to be someone. Otherwise you feel like you won't be noticed in it, but I don't think that that's true. And I wish that it was more like just somehow known that you can have your place by just being a fan and being there. And that's a really important place and it wouldn't exist without that. The whole scene wouldn't exist without that. So. And yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about particularly women in hardcore, because, you know, one of the most infuriating things would be if this scene that by definition is supposed to be an open expression, a welcoming expression in any way, put pressures on someone in a way that you were describing, like people were putting pressure on you for, you know, succeeding and doing X, Y, or Z, that, that would be horrible. And so maybe one of the things we can talk about is what has your experience been as a woman in the hardcore scene. And like you said, you kind of continuing on with, with what you would suggest to women who are out there who are looking to be a part of this. Yeah, I think it's just like, for me, again, I was fortunate. I came into the scene kind of from the beginning in a place of power and just in the sense that I was in a band that was playing shows and was, it's like when you're in the band or whatever, you know, you're looked at it a bit differently. And I just think, just from observing a lot of times how women feel at hardcore shows, it feels like you have to prove yourself. That's how I always felt. And it definitely seems like that. And I think sometimes I wish that that pressure was less because, you know, they're, you sh they should be able to just be themselves. And if you're just a fan, just be a fan. You don't have to do all this extra bullshit because then a lot of times it's like, it starts to become disingenuous and it's, and then, and then blame gets put on you, you know, and it's like, it's not your fault. Like you, this pressure just exists because you're alone. And it's not just the women. It's like any, anyone who's different. I don't know. That's just the observation I had growing up and kind of feeling that. Yeah. It's like a loneliness kind of. So you feel like you have to make up for that and you feel bad if you aren't able to socialize freely in that kind of way, because you don't have a place and you just feel it's angering. I, I just wish that pressure was lesser for women. Well, and one of the things that you're talking about that can be so dangerous is that there's oppression, whether intentional or not. And that, that's, that's one of the problems with oppression. It's like everywhere and nowhere. So that somebody who says, oh, well, what are you talking about? You know, versus like someone who's experiencing it be like, well, it's with me every moment of every day. 
And it's like, it, that's yes. why in some ways it's so infuriating. But one of the things that, that is, is also so troubling about it is when it gets internalized, you know, when you actually start to think, it's not just them saying this, well, I have to act a certain way. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I'd really encourage people again, whatever you feel like is the thing that keeps you different. Again, you could tell me if you disagree with me, but I kind of feel like if you step foot into a hardcore show or into a metal show or into something intense, I, I just feel like right from there, I, I don't know if you have anything more to prove in terms of being open-minded, in terms of being yeah. like willing to participate in something. I don't know. I would, I would like to echo that and just encourage people to say it's, it's not about that. At least no, nobody who I admire is there to see other people proving things. So therefore, yeah. is I, want to, I want to connect with like-minded people. So the last yeah. thing in it is I want in a million years is for you to feel pressure you know, mm -hmm. from that. That's, that would be terrible. It's just tough because I think that pressure just exists and it doesn't ever go away. And I sometimes try to tell myself, stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to prove yourself. People already appreciate you for who you are, but that feeling just doesn't go away. And I don't know what it is and, and how to you know, lessen that, but it's definitely like you can't just expect it to disappear. You kind of have to accept that, you know, they feel that way. And I do see, see that sometimes with men and women in the scene. It's like sometimes the men don't get that pressure exists and don't get why a woman maybe is trying super hard. It's like you don't realize she's been, she feels like she has to prove herself. And that's how I felt, you know, and sometimes I look back at my younger self and I'm like, why did you care? Like you were fine, you know, and I, but I still feel that way sometimes. I feel that way a lot of the time. Yeah. And I could even see in, in listening to myself and how I'm talking, it's like, you know, I'm almost feeding into that same problematic narrative, which is like, because I so desperately wouldn't want someone to feel that way for a yes. whole host of reasons. Totally. But inadvertently, I may be at risk then of being like, oh, come on, it's, it's, it's not like that, or it shouldn't be like that. And it's like, you know, I, I got to, in this case, like even like, you know, be very careful not to do the same invalidating maneuver that other people have done to me. Because again, yeah. like in your head, you want it so badly. You don't want someone to feel that way. But I got to, you know, like you got to let someone feel that even if you don't agree with, with where they're coming from, you have to be able to acknowledge that if they're picking up on it and they're sensing it, it's real. And that's, that's it. That's I mean, it, it does help to have that reminder though, you know, and my friends try to give me that reminder too, whenever I feel that lack of confidence or whatever it is, it's like, they just tell me like, you're all good. Like, relax. Like you don't need to try to be better than, than this or that. It's like, sometimes it gets misconstrued too as like some sort of ego when it's really not, it's like, it's totally a self imposed like check point or criticism. It's, it's different. Yeah, and it's it's also really hard when you're someone that is, in general, is is looking for empowerment. And again, not empowerment in ego way. It's just like, look, I, I'm I'm me. I want let's I want to take this as far as it can go. Yeah, you know, sometimes that gets pointed. You know, when people say, "Oh, relax," it's like, you know, not relaxing has worked pretty well for me. You know, like, <laughs> not relaxing is what got me to do four yeah. albums. In this case, yeah. not relaxing is what got me to this level. So it's not always apparent when I should relax or not relax, yes. you know, yes, and sometimes people, impossible. yeah, sometimes people don't, don't want to see the organic hole, which sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like who our band, what our band's about in a lot of ways. You know, we've, we always get poked at for like trying too hard, you know, but it's like, you don't get it. Like, that's just who we are. You know, we try too hard. That's what we do. It's a trying too hard. You're not, I'm proud who, of who it. Says, though, who, you know? who says that? Who says a lot of people your say band that. tries too hard? What does that even mean? Oh, that's like our mom. Like what, what do you slogan I, imposed by others? I would, I'm gonna tell you just very, very. I remember when I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but I remember oh, I when I saw Bruce Springsteen on the Rising tour, yeah. and that guy played that show. The guy must be in his 60s, and he is the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. He's got millions of dollars. That guy played that show. Like he was 17 and if he didn't get that show right, he was never getting out of Jersey. And whenever anyone asked me at that point, like, what kind of music do you like? I was like, I like that kind of music. I like yes. the kind of person who understands the power of this moment and is respectful of themselves and the audience. And so when I hear someone saying to you, like, oh, was it you try too hard? It's, Fuck you. I <laughs> should try too hard. Because <laughs> like, like, that means that you don't get how important it is to be in that position. It means yes. you don't get the whole thing. You say like, what they should be saying is, you seem to be trying really hard. We want to figure out how to make, help you point it in a way that's going to get you what you want. 
Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm angry. Now, oh, now I need. It's now infuriating. It's infuriating. anger in order to like you know get better. I'm yeah, sorry I'm that sure. happened to you guys. It's just like I, I'm like I'm honestly I'm baffled. That's like exactly the wrong message. Like who who in their right mind would ever say something like that? It's it's insane, and it really gets in your head too. It gets in my head for sure. I start thinking about it like because I think what they mean sometimes it's like seeing it in like okay if you take that and you are okay let's put this in like a way that actually has some sort of backbone. It's like, you would just say, it's like, okay, music, you know, is supposed to be that stream of consciousness. And it's supposed to be just like who you are on the table. But if you use that try too hard terminology, you could say, oh, you're, you're putting too much into it. You're calculating it too far. It's like, maybe that's all part of it. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. That's the thing is like when someone's saying to you, I'm trying to figure out how to listen to my generation without getting pulled under by it. It's like, yeah, like that's the process. That's what makes it so special. That's what makes it so great is like, you're trying to balance all things. Like why would anyone want to take out all the tension and all the like, whatever that makes it so special? Like why would anyone want to take that out of it? It's just sort of, I mean, it's like, I think it's okay for someone to say like, oh, you know, listen, I, I, I wonder if you're holding on too tight right now. Like, what do you think of that? Okay. That's, that's cool. But you're trying too hard. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. It's, like, <laughs> it's, just gonna it, like, it's constantly plaguing Because I mean, think, about, yeah, think about that in the context of what you were told before, where you got to work really hard yeah. and achieve a lot. Yep. It's now you're totally doing that. standard. Ugh. Makes no sense. You're just, you're just never good enough to them, apparently. But uh, no, it's a, it's that's like why a, empowerment it's a is so important, because truly no one's going to care unless you yeah, just well, yourself un- unequivocally. I, I would say to all people out there, like, yeah, try too hard, work too hard, <laughs> like want it too much. I mean, like yeah. it's, you know, that's, it's, I don't know how, like, what's the point of it? There's so many areas where you could be the walking dead. This is where you, you let that go if that's who you are. Okay. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you're like a chill band and that's who you are too, that's like, that's cool. But if that's who you are, if you're proactive anger, you got to let it rip. I mean, Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've declared this parlay a success and we've come to some understanding. <laughs> so listen, it's been great talking with you, honestly. Like I'm really, you know, I didn't say it at the beginning, but I think you guys' music is fantastic and really exciting to see how you're developing. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you guys do next. And honestly, best of luck. I hope uh, you get a chance to come back on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it a lot. All right. Take it easy. Peace out. So there you have it, Reba Myers of Code Orange giving us her take on how she channels anger and intensity to live out her purpose as an individual and as a member of a band. And I'll tell you something, it's super inspiring for me to listen to her talk about facing people who tell her how she should think and feel, and then having the courage to move ahead and do things consistent with who she is and what she wants. I got a little heated in the interview because it makes my blood boil when people try to censor young, promising artists like Reba. Code Orange is killing it. You'd think that they'd earn some consideration that they know what they're doing. I hope everyone learns from Reba's example about how to keep moving ahead no matter what the obstacle. Thanks for listening to the conversation. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to the Hardcore Humanism podcast on your favorite app, give us a good rating, and write a review. If you want to take the next step and make concrete changes in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. Thanks to my wonderful wife and co-founder of Hardcore Humanism, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and to my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.